Welcome back to the podcast, guys, with your Sahar and Lucas. We have Trevor back, local uh, or our residential uh, Vancouver fan. Um, we have stuff to talk about the Va- Vancouver, actually, surprisingly. We haven't done a podcast in a while, so we have that to talk about. Uh, we have Stanley Cup finals. Montreal and Tampa Bay are going to the finals, and they're going to be battling it out for uh, the Stanley Cup. Um, is it starting tonight? Or- uh, Mondays. Monday, so, okay, Monday. yeah, so it's starting on Monday. Um, so that's gonna be fun to watch. Um, and yeah, so we're gonna look at look, we're just gonna do a preview of the series. Who do we think is gonna win? How's how do we think it's gonna shape up? And then we have a couple other things happening around the uh, around the league, and then we'll touch on the whole Chicago thing because okay. that's an insane story that just has so many layers and so many things. Mark Bergevin's involved. For, for from who's who's now the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, so it's it's that's I've just been reading into it and listening to it, and just there's a lot of shit happening, and we'll try to explain it as best we can. So when you're going to talk about the uh, the Cup final, um, I think it all depends on the goaltending from either side. Um, oh, okay, yeah, okay. So we're just jumping into it then, I guess. Okay, I, that so, was a bad 180 from the from, from, yeah. from touching on Chicago, uh, but. I think I think like when it comes to the Cup final, um, I think it all it all stems on either team's goaltending. Uh, do you get Vesna carry Price or regular season carry Price or vice versa with Vasilevsky? Yeah, I think that is that is a big factor when it comes to goaltending. But it's also um, I think it's whoever's been there before and and is whoever's gonna stay like uh, who's who's not gonna fall under pressure. Yeah, I I I agree with that. Like. Like, like Trav, what do you think it comes down to? Um, I don't know. This series, to me, is really interesting because both goalies, these have been the two best goalies in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't yeah. think there's a debate there. Yeah. Um, And both teams are good defensively. Like, people kind of tampa these as this offensive firepower, but they're a really good defensive team. And people they don't are. give them credit for that because they have guys like Point and Kucherov and these guys, but they can win a game 2-1. They can win a game 1-0. They showed that against the Islanders. They won a game 7-1-0. Like, that, what, what is that, when does that happen in the modern NHL? Not, not often. And, and the they one played. Yeah. Yeah. And they played the, the, the Islanders type of hockey, where they beat them at their own game. Mm-hmm. Um, that... Yeah, going back to Montreal, though, I, I don't know how you can count out this team. It's, it defies all logic at this point. Like Since, since their, their game four loss to the Leafs, they've lost two games. They've lost two playoff games in, what, three weeks? It's felt like longer, but like since they lost to the Leafs to, to go down 3-1, they've lost two playoff games. Like... This this team is just the team. I, I think they're the team of destiny. They're the Nashville of a couple of years ago. Um, they're the, I guess, like what, what's another example? The Penguins of 2016. 2012 Kings? 2013 Kings? 2012 Kings. Kings teams. Tw- yeah. The 2012 Kings is a, is a fantastic example. That team was that team was nowhere near the playoffs by the trade deadline. Squeaked they in. Were, squeaked, yeah, in, squeaked in with uh, in uh, 16th or like eight, like, like last 16th last yeah. last place last spot went up against the president's trophy winners first round and beat him in five yeah uh what team was that 
So I think Vancouver it was Vancouver. Canucks. Yeah. Yeah. It was Vancouver Canucks. Um, yeah, because okay, they won so, President's Trophies year after year after year. and then. Okay, so when we talk about goaltending, these are the stats for the 2021 playoffs. Carey Price has a 12 – he's 12-5. and five, And his uh, is his goals against are is a 2.02. His save percentage is a 934. Come he on. has one shutout. Are you kidding me? You said a 9.34. I think Vasilevsky's numbers I think Vasilevsky's numbers are as good, if not better, though. Okay, so these are Vasilevsky's oh. numbers. They're they're ridiculous. So um his record is 12 and 6. He lost one more game, but whatever. Uh his goals against is a 199. Um his save percentage is a 936. So better are than you prices. serious? And then he has four shutouts. This, this man's got four shutouts. And what did you see? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Four there was straight a stat. series yeah, clinching games that Vasilevsky's been in. He's had a shutout. Yeah. So the the last game they won one nothing against uh, Carolina. What was it like two nothing or whatever three nothing? And then Florida, I think they won two nothing as well. And then to clinch the cup, they won two nothing against Dallas. Final, yeah. Like. Like that, these are these are the goalies that win in the playoffs. Those ones who just doesn't matter what happens, you are not getting a single puck by me. And here's the thing with that Tampa team is you get all these elite teams normally, and there's like there's always a weakness. And a lot of times that weakness is goaltending is average. Like you look at the Colorado Avalanche. Like yeah, Phil Kerber had a really good year, but like he's not like he's not Vasilevsky. I I. Yes, Grubauer. <laughs> yes, Grubauer was, I guess, their weakest spot, but I think their weakest spot was the lack of Nassim Kadri. I think that was Colorado's weakest. weakest but spot. like, I just like, you look at all of these elite teams, and there's always that like one little question mark with them. Where's the question mark on the Tampa Bay Lightning? There what is, is their weak point? Well, when you're you know 18 million over the cap, you can't really have a you can't really have. A okay, hold on. Mark. That that 18 mil is a little overblown. Two of yeah. those guys are Anders Nielsen and Marion Gaborik, who oh, are never playing oh, again. Really? Okay. Yeah. So they're 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 a Nikita Kucherov over the cap, whatever he's okay. making. Nine, so they're and it's like one nine, player. Million. They're nine it's and a one half. One player. Okay. Okay. Like yeah, there. See, there is there is no weaknesses. You're right. And I said that about Vegas, and look what happened. That's I thought that about point, Vegas. Yeah. yeah. And if we're gonna talk about the Vegas series, we I put I talked about this in our group chat. People kept talking about how, look how amazing Vegas' offensive defensemen are. They're putting up so many points, yada, yada, yada. Their offensive instincts are a big reason why they lost this game because how many two-on-ones or breakaways did the Montreal Canadiens get? Many. Yeah. And the, Mark Stone, the, who's the making overtime nine goal, the, the overtime goal that sent them into the Stanley Cup Finals was that. It was a breakaway, and then they just passed it across and scored. Right before that, Max Pacioretty had a golden chance. I yep. needed that to go in. I needed that puck to go in just to see the heartbreak in the Canadiens fans' face. Obviously, it didn't happen that one. But Mark Stone, and I think Jonathan Marcheseau too, zero, zero goals. Nothing. Mark Stone's yep. their captain making $9.5 million. Their power play didn't score a goal, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yep. They may have scored one. Nick Suzuki had four goals. So bad. Like, that was leaf-level bad. That was leaf-level yep. bad. And uh, you're paying, and it's another thing, you're paying, you know, Alex Petrangelo how much for 
you know, for him to not trip on the power play, you're playing Marks. Like, Petrangelo was good five on five. I'll give him that. But he's the power play quarterback. He starts that play. And yeah. uh, and Stone, zero goals too. Like, that's it's unacceptable. Unacceptable how the Vegas Golden Knights offense that was dynamite during the season just dried up. Happened dried last year up. against Dallas too. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's third-round-itis. Even the last it. three games against the Canucks, I know everybody talks about, like, Thatcher Demko, but they just – they couldn't score. Mm-hmm. And I don't know – you can you can put a lot of that on Demko, but some of that is just guys got to finish. Alex Tuck is a guy – I've never seen a man get so many elite scoring chances and not score a single one of them. William Carlson, I don't think he scored either. I don't think – like – that's a player. That's a player that everyone thought was going to die down after his like what he scored forty goals in his rookie season, uh, yeah. his first season with Dallas, or sorry, first season with Vegas, and people thought that he was going to die down and like he'd go back to being a fourth liner. He's still a contributing member, and I and for someone that's that's of his caliber, I expect him to score. Uh, and I, you can use as many excuses as you want. Oh, Carey Price is amazing. Their defense is great. Yada yada yada. They're paid to score. They they are paid to score goals. Um, I'm not taking. I'm not taking anything away from Montreal's win. They played outstanding. Like, outstanding series for Montreal, but I, Vegas definitely dried up on offense. We talk about teams and their, like, weaknesses. Vegas is definitely up the middle. Their center core needs work. I don't even know who they have outside of Marshall. When Chandler Stevenson is your number one center, and he missed a couple games, too, but he's their number one center. And then I think it's probably William Carlson. Um, but, like, when – uh, Stevenson went out. They were moving a bunch of guys. I think they had Patrick Brown on the top line at one point. Nicola Waugh was up there playing with Nicola, Stone and Patrick. Nicola Waugh was the only forward who actually produced something. He scored. He's, yeah, he was. He was. He, was he got the good. overtime goal. He scored two goals, yeah. but like that's not the guys you're looking for. So, all right, I can, um, I can definitely tell you're trying to say something. Alec Martinez is reported that he mm. played on a broken foot. Yeah. So if he was one of the better defensemen. Yeah, he, he was. <laughs> And didn't he score in the in the last uh, in the last scored, game? I, I know he scored in the first yeah, game. He, he scored did. in the first couple of games. Like, he scored in game six too. I think yeah. he tied. I think he tied the game. Yeah. Yeah. And he was playing on a broken foot, and you can't get Mark Stone or someone else to maybe put in a bit more effort and get a couple of goals or something. Like, dude, like, come on. Now, and then, like, cycle the Vegas rumors. Yeah. Why? Why not? And then here, here's what I say about Nathan McKinnon. Imagine Mark Stone's in a Canadian market and does that. Like that's he was in a Canadian market. Yeah, but Ottawa he's, he's in Ottawa. He was in, he was <laughs> oh, in Ottawa. No offense, okay, Senators guess, fans, yeah. but like he was not in a you know punch you in the face Canadian market sort of thing. Also, the one time they did make the playoffs, they actually did make a run that sense team, that 2017 sense team. Yeah, that that's another example of team of destiny. I was cheering so hard for the Senators that year. Chris Kunitz, Chris Kunitz's wobbly puck just. Just screw them up. I was really cheering for the Sens that year. One goal in like triple overtime caused them. Oh, to, yeah. Or was it double overtime or I whatever? It's it like overtime. something crazy where like they were one goal away. <laughs> and, 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 just, and they just yeah, fucking nosedived. They just yeah. nosedived into one. Well, they had some issues um, with some of the players and the whole thing with oh, Dorian. Bobby, and, with, no, not Bobby, not Bobby Ray. Or, uh, what's his um, name? Mike Hoffman, Mike Hoffman and, and Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson yeah. and, well, you talk about oh, you talk about cool. Alec Martinez. That that was the year where that was that was the year where Eric Carlson basically played on one leg. Yeah, he had like hairline. He had de- multiple hairline yeah. fractures. I think it was right foot. 
And then after that, he he never really looked the same. And He's then he signed the same with San Jose. Yeah, and then he signed it with San Jose, and like he cannot pivot either to the left or to the right. Yeah, and like, just oh, every time he's coming that trade. Yeah, man. And they're still paying the him for like six more fleeced. years. They decided to do that. We're getting yeah. so off topic, but we we talked about this. Yeah. yeah. The the Sharks then, did not have to sign Eric Carlson. Yeah. They put it on themselves to re-sign him for eight years and give up a first round pick. And then Eric Carlson, and a half million. And then Eric Carlson upset that they might be start uh, starting a rebuild there. His press conference with eating an apple. <laughs> I had never I had never laughed harder in my entire life. Never. Oh okay. my god! Oh, so, getting Josh Norris and Tim Stutzel out of that trade. Oh man! That you right now it looks really good on the Ottawa's end of Josh that. Norris like, is going to be so a good. very underrated player. I can I can just tell. I can just tell he's going to be really good. All right, what are we what are we talking about? Okay, Start talking okay. About yeah, back to um, so what, talking about like Montreal and their last cup, uh, like the last cup, uh, they won it in 1993. Uh, Tampa won their last cup last year, so nothing really, no history there. Um, and d- during the whole celebrations in Montreal, they looked amazing. I saw them on TV. I wish we could be doing that, but I guess uh, we're, we're still in like. But no, no, no. Why would why would why would good things why would good things happen to to why would good things happen here? Oh, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, Fifteen people got arrested oh, following the Montreal win, <laughs> yeah. which I just want to bring that up because that's hilarious. Remember when the and, Raptors? Remember the Raptors? Like when all their watch parties, everyone's going nuts. No one got arrested, and everyone was like, "Okay, but zero arrest doesn't mean zero crime." I think, I think that's that's an example of how, like, I think in Quebec they're a little bit more strict when it comes to you know doing crazy shit. Which, yeah, yeah, dude, whatever. Yeah. But it was great. There were like fireworks in the streets, and I'm like, that's like, really awesome. dangerous. Like it could fall over, and you just all these people would just get like first degree burns from from these fireworks getting well, shot. They weren't the letting crowd. people leave the Bell Center until the crowd dispersed. I yeah. remember, I heard, I saw that. That I did yeah. see, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's 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 been a wild sight to see. Like, I'm kind of happy for Montreal fans because they just, it's such, been such a, like, for the fan, like, if I, if, as a fan, I'm happy for them, for, like, them to have this. And it's just been such a wild ride. If you, like, really look at this whole cup run, it's, yeah, like, such a Cinderella yeah. story. Oh, it and is. As a, Okay, so as a hockey fan, you cheer for the Canadians, but because I'm a Leafs fan and Lucas is also a Leafs fan, I cannot cheer for the Montreal Canadiens. There's no way, there's no world where I can cheer for the Montreal Canadiens unless the Leafs are just like rebuilding or whatever. Yeah. And then maybe, and the, but like that's um, a big maybe. Um, I was saying this to a friend before. Um, I can't cheer for the Cavs. However, I want Carey Price to succeed. The only yeah. person on that team that yeah. I actually want to succeed is Carey Price. But yeah, I, he that team is because people are like, oh, this team is so likable. This team is so great. They're not likable in my eyes. I don't find this nope. team likable at all. Josh Anderson, you're <laughs> Josh Anderson's such a whiny little bitch. Uh, friggin' uh, Cole Caulfield uh, is amazing, but I hate him. Nick Suzuki is amazing, but I hate him. Like I can't, I can't with this team. I can't. Well, I think I think Cole Caulfield makes them more likable as a player because yeah. he's got that yeah. charisma, he's got that personality to him, he's that got kid, that like how was that quiet not, swagger to him. How was that kid not literally in their opening day lineup? I mean, he was in college until yeah fourth of the year. Pull him out. Pull him out. When his college season ended, ready. they signed him. And then he played in the AHL for a bit. Why was he I in the AHL at all? Why was he and in the then, AHL at all? 
He was a healthy Jesus. scratch for the first two games of the Leafs series, which I, I also didn't understand. Which and Kakanyami was, was too, and he's yeah. been on fire. That that he was said, I think we talked day, about that, podcast. We talked about that, but we said on the first day, how the hell are these two not in the lineup? And yep. Alex Romanov, who was really good this season, has played one game, two games, one game. Most when Petrie was out. Yeah. Yeah. When his devil eyes were out, um, and like. Man, I unbelievable run by the Habs, and I just, I we were talking about. I was talking about this with my dad, and it sounds it sounds so dumb now because of what happened. Montreal's down three one. They haven't been able to score. We're assuming that they're not going to score the next three games. Son of a bitch! I was like, Dom Ducharme's getting fired. Like Dom Ducharme is. Not- we talked about it on the podcast. We like, did. We, oh fuck! We were questioning what is Dom Ducharme doing, not putting all those players in. They're all amazing, and I think this, this is going to be sound terrible as a Leafs fan. If he put those players in sooner, I think there might have been a chance that the series didn't go seven games. For uh, for, for the, the Leafs, Habs, the Habs, Habs would have the Habs would have won in like five or six. Yeah, <laughs> which is like thankfully they didn't put it in because we got those like three uh the 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 the, the we got those three wins. But like the way that everyone everything's clicking for the Montreal Canadiens is really interesting to see and just. However, there is one thing I don't, there's one thing I want to say about the Habs. They have gotten some very fortunate luck coming their way in terms of the Tavares injury, the Shifley suspension, the Flurry losing his mind behind the net that led right to the them winning game three. Um, they have got some very fortunate things happen to them. Yes, but. Um, but that does not you, take away the fact that they've that they've you gone this far. create your own luck. That's what I think. And they've created their own luck and they've succeeded. And please, God, don't let them win because that's going to be a miserable day when that happens. See, the story, the storyline. Also, you, you know why, why I can't have the Habs win? Seeing that cup parade in Montreal, I fucking kill me fucking kill me like i can't i couldn't do that but i think see, seeing tampa seeing tampa win uh, like guys two cups in, in the salary cap era hard as hell mm-hmm. pittsburgh did it and we thought it was impossible and tampa tampa yeah. can do it again yeah um, the thing with tampa that i think is interesting is that i think this year with them they did win last year but they won in an empty building and yep. I, I think they really deserve to win. In and front I of think people. that's a team that, like, I mean, normally I don't like cheering for teams to go back to back unless it were my own team because, you know, that's how it goes. But <laughs> this is one time where I'm thinking, like, Tampa deserves to win in front of people. Yeah. yeah. And and for game seven against the Islanders, I was watching that game and I'm like, damn, that crowd is on fire. Jelly. The last two minutes, that, that crowd was going. Yeah. The last the last two minutes, I'm just like, please, please don't let the Islanders tie this up. Please don't let the Islanders tie this up. I want to. I just piece, honestly, I had no like. I didn't really care who won the thing. I just wanted overtime. I didn't care who won in overtime. I just wanted overtime. Um, but now, and here's a question. Here's a question that I think poses to Sahar more than anything. If we're gonna lose Zach Hyman, which we're probably gonna do. Both Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman are UFAs. Is that someone that you think the Leafs would target? Lucas, we have the entire offseason and summer to figure this stuff out. 
Okay. We're already in the off season. We've been in the off season for fucking two weeks. I mean, off season, like after the Stanley Cup Finals are done. I know teams not uh, the Leafs aren't in the thing, so you don't really want to talk about playoffs. But we have to talk about playoffs because Uh, and the finals because we're a hockey podcast and yeah. No, we're Leafs over everything. That's what it should be. Leafs over everything. Hi, Trevor. Nice to see you. All right. Um, okay. okay. Um, no, you're moving right. on you're right, you're right. to um, to new head coach in the new franchise, uh, Dave Hacksaw from your Toronto Maple Leafs, um, mm-hmm. is now uh, is na- ha- or has been named the first uh, head coach of the Seattle Kraken. I was shocked. Was anyone else? Sh- I didn't hear his name at all. Yeah. I, no, yes. Was, uh, I I was thinking talk it. Me too. Um, but. Yeah, there were reports that Rick Tockett was like one of the finalists or whatever. No one talked about this. And it's interesting how like he recovered his career because he was in Philly. He got fired from Philly. Um, and then they they had a coaching change. Um, and then uh, he came to Toronto. Vigneault's there, right? In Philly? Vigneault's there now, yeah. yeah. And then he, he, he kind of recovered his career when he came to the Leafs. Um so yeah, he got fired from the Philadelphia Flyers. Then he came, comes to Toronto, and is an assistant um, coach. Belgium just scored. Sorry, I'm just watching. The two oh games. really? Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So he yeah he just comes recovers his career. Our team had the uh, or the T- Toronto Maple Leafs had improved defense. He was on that. He had they improved the power penalty kill. They improved just overall team defense, and he showed that he has some he like he's been a head coach and i think that like the way he performed under sheldon keith is he showed that he has the stuff to become a head coach and i did not hear his name i did not know that he was thing but that happened and he's going to seattle and now we need bruce brudro to come to toronto because there's a curse and we need him in toronto and Um um yeah i need that meme i need that meme you know the meme from predator where it's like the two guys uh clutching hands i just yeah. need like bruce Boudreau, leafs inability to win game sevens that's what that's what i need i wish i knew what to make memes i yes. wish i knew how to make those those memes but he's, an be, ass- like, he's gonna be an assistant notch. coach um, it's gonna be sheldon keith that'd be a top-notch meme because it's gonna be Do sheldon you not keith. have photoshop sheldon keith for what no i no, i I, I I did, but I don't need it anymore. Wait, sorry. What did you say about Sheldon Keith? I cut out for a second. It's um he is okay. So Bruce Boudreaux was has a terrible record in Game Sevens as a head coach, ah. but he has not done it as an assistant coach. So <laughs> so we'll test. We have to test out the theory at least. See, but then do you fire Manny Ultra too, and or do you put a defense? Because he's not a, he's not a defenseman. He's a defensive center. He he was a defensive center, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I'm actually surprised even when they hired him because they took him from he was the Canucks video coach. Yeah. I was surprised they had him run the power play. I fully expected him to come in and run the PK. Because yeah, uh, yeah. well, it's because because he was an elite he, penalty killer when he played. No wonder the least power play dried up because we had a defensive center teaching showing them how to play the power play. Um, but Bruce Boudreaux, Bruce Boudreaux being the head of the, it almost. It would almost Put make Bruce sense Boudreau to like... as power play. He'll lead the power play. And then Mahotra can be um, defense. Kill. And then good good to go. Maybe. 
Maybe, we'll, maybe Bruce Boudreaux is too old. I don't know if he even still wants to coach anymore. Uh, after Yo, all the heartbreak, he he, he is. He's gonna want to coach. Like if he, if it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's gonna want to coach. Like his mom is always at every single game with like a Leafs jersey. Dude, and like, I laughed so hard. There was this was like years ago. Like 2019 feels like it was a millennium ago, but it was only two yeah. years ago. Um, Bruce Boudreaux at the time coached the Wild. It's like his last season as coach of the Wild. He tells his mom that he's cut that he's uh like he tells his mom, hey, you know, hey mom, we just landed in Toronto. Uh are you coming to the game? She's like, Oh, you're still you're still on the team, you're still the coach? <laughs> you haven't gotten fired yet? <laughs> There's so many along those lines. Yeah. So funny. So, 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 so funny. People wanted him to replace Babcock all those like all those years ago or years ago. Uh him as an assistant, I think it could work. Um or 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 if not, they can find something else. But I think I think Bruce Boudreaux would be a good, would be a cool choice just for the ambiance of it all. And the, Le- okay, the Leafs I- made another personnel change too, didn't they? They hired um, Ryan Hardy. Yeah, they hired Ryan Hardy. Yeah. Who I, you know more about him than I do, Trev, because I. Yeah. So I Ryan Hardy, I think they hired him. What is he? He's like senior director of. Uh, he's gonna be like uh, senior director minor of, league uh, of minor league development. Uh, he's development or G- something. He's GM. He's gonna be GM of the Marlies and the Newfoundland Growlers as well. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know a lot about him, but I know a little bit because he was the GM of the Chicago Steel in the USHL, and that team, like that's like he built an elite program there over three years. Mm-hmm. Um, they just won the USHL championship. Um, they probably would have won the USHL championship last year if there wasn't a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like he's and there's a bunch of prospects. Like I'm looking at, I've been doing some research and stuff in the draft because the Canucks have been out forever. Um, <laughs> and like I look at rankings and stuff, and there's like five or six guys projected in the top two rounds that came through that program. You know, uh, yeah, that's so that's that's something that gets me excited. I think if anything, like we should get our our former guest Nick Barton to update us on something like that because uh we have a we had a we had a someone before who covers the marlies regularly uh on our on our pod last summer so i don't know maybe maybe nick maybe nick can give us give us some insight to that but just hearing his background like that gets me excited for someone who can develop marlies and develop nhl players because the marlies the leafs the leafs aren't that thick on prospects they are pretty thin just because all their prospects grew into nhl players and like that that's just what happens um so i that gets me that gets me excited um, so we kind of just skipped over the whole um, Dave Haxall actually getting oh, uh, yeah. named, oh. named Seattle's uh, head coach. Uh, he said that like this oh, is an opportunity shit. that he he can't give up, and it's an opportunity to build like a math uh, 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 like a championship winning team because you're starting from the ground up. So like I think from how that I don't know how how they're like building this team is it going to be like a philly type team or are they going to just go fast and like like the vegas way you know how we're going to find out when what day is the the expansion draft that's how we're going to find 20, out when building this july team. like 20th or 21st or something okay around there. heads up i'm going to be in ottawa during that time so i might miss the exp- i'll probably miss the expansion draft but uh, it'll be uh, we'll find out that day what yeah. when they're when they're trying to july trying 21st to yeah. Haxel, yeah, to me is an interesting hire because I mean when he was coaching Philly, like they made the playoffs, I think two of his three seasons. Yeah, but there were a lot of reports. There were a lot of reports of the players uh not liking him by the end of his tenure there. Like well, there were 
So I haven't heard anything um, from Leaf. I've heard like Leaf, like Leaf defenders and Leaf and Leaf players like him. And that might be the okay, so he was he was uh, Philly's head coach for four years. Um, he they made the first round twice. They missed the playoffs once, and then he got fired. So he didn't. Uh, he didn't make the play. Um, so he didn't make or he didn't make the playoffs with his team. But I think the teams did make the playoffs. Once. And I wonder like if part of it with Hackstall though, too, like in Philly, is he was one of those guys who was hired from college. Yeah. So oh. it could have been that some of the things that he could do successfully in college NHL players didn't respond to as well. And maybe that's something yeah. that once he came to Toronto and kind of being an assistant, he's kind of adapted that a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Um, like, I, I wonder if that's something where the second time around might be better just because um, it is definitely different coaching NHL pros compared to coaching like yeah, sure. college yeah, athletes. College, college athletes. Um, do you say it's more or less likely that they take that Seattle now takes a defender from the Leafs? Um, that's interesting. Because he because he run the he ran the defense for a couple of years. Oh yeah. right, yeah. I, I didn't really make that connection, but yeah, that that is an interesting thing to look out for. Like, hmm. if anything, people kept saying that, like, oh, is it more likely they take Travis Dermott now? Uh, well, I'm thinking, it, with the least, you're probably losing one of Dermott, Hall, Kerfoot, right? Like, yeah. it's one of those three. Yeah. Unless they want to take Engel, but I, I doubt that. Yeah, maybe yeah, they're a not, long shot guy like the, an Engel or Mikheyev, but the Leafs, the, the Leafs will have to give them major incentives to take either Engel or Mikheyev. Like I think the Leafs have a second round pick next year. They probably don't. They have what, like three picks next this year? Don't mm-hmm. even get me started. We spent way too much this year. <laughs> they spent. Oh, and who was the one who said I would not pay a first round pick for Nick Foligno? Who was it? Who was it? Me. You. I think it was me because you don't because they should have paid what fucking Montreal did for Eric Stahl. What's the difference between Nick Foligno and Eric, and Eric Stahl? Eric Stahl is currently in the Stanley Cup finals. Hey, Eric exactly. Stahl has a Stanley Cup. And Nick Foligno yep. doesn't. <laughs> so like so like the fact that they the fact that they gave up a first round pick for this guy, like it it made zero sense for me that why they gave up a first a first round. Uh, yeah, the only uh, difference is that Nick Foligno's younger. By yeah, probably by not a lot though. So the Leafs have the Leafs have a second this year and a second next year. Um, so they'd have to give up like one of those two. To, yeah, to I don't think they're going to do that. Angle. Um, so the Leafs have is... the Leafs have three picks this draft. They have their first and their second next year, and then they have a seventh. So they also have three picks next year. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're gonna be ha- seeing any uh, major trades from from the picks side of things because we don't really have any. Yeah. If only if, if anything they they'd be gaining picks. I don't think they'd be spending any yeah. picks because they can't spend picks anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Carl Gunnarsson has retired after twelve years as um uh twelve years in the NHL. So congratulations to him. Um. I just want to put that in there. And um, Henrik and Daniel Sedin have been introduced as advisory roles. It's been a oh, while man. since we've done a podcast. Um, yeah. I think we've talked about it because there were rumors before. I think we talked about it a couple episodes it, ago. It's been speculated for about two months or something now. So. Yeah, um, 
Is that Trevor. a Henrik Zetterberg or sorry, a Henrik Sedin jersey I see on Trevor's stomach? His it left is, body? Yeah. <laughs> Captain 33. Um yeah. So how do you feel about um, this? Yeah. I, how do you I feel about the... you do? I love the move. Oh. That wasn't expected. Well, okay. <laughs> the Sedins are like just in everything I've seen with this. Um and I I am very strong in my opinion on Jim Benning. I don't know why he's still here. Um, and I don't really like ownership either. But I think the Sedins are really smart hire. I just think they're really smart people to start yeah. with. And that's something that this organization needs in their front office right now. Um, and adding two smart people probably means that there's now two smart people in that front office. Um, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of ragging on the Canucks now because, you know, it's, it's what I do. But um, with the Sedins, I think that they're the kind of people that they aren't going to get taken advantage of. They, they, I've kind of heard stuff throughout the process where they were very adamant. We want to start from the ground up. We don't want to be put in a situation where we don't know stuff. They want to learn the business and they want to like make sure that they're, they have a good grasp on everything so that, I mean, if they are eventually going to take on a bigger role, they have that strong um, understanding of the business side and the scouting and the development and I mean, the word they used a lot in the press conferences was culture, which is, I mean, culture is kind of one of those buzzwords that yeah. sometimes yeah. it's taken too, too heavy. But I think I kind of like the way the scenes approach it is like, it starts from the top down. So it starts with ownership and then your management, but then it, um, a lot of it comes through your top players. If yeah. your top players yeah. set an example, they go to practice every day. They work hard. They set an example for everybody coming in and you set a standard. That's a really important thing that good teams generally have is that standard where everybody's held to a higher standard because your top players are like, are showing up to that standard and like working every day and doing the, the grunt work and you know, not taking a skate off or a shift off. Yeah. Um, so my whole thing approach to this was I was kind of worried about was like, do they ruin? Like, I think it might've been just a bit too early because if this does go bad, will their legacies be ruined or tinted by, let's say this whole front office thing doesn't work out. I think they have a buffer for at least the next few years because of the perception of Jim Benning. Uh, what what think... do you mean by perception? <sighs> no one likes him as Vancouver Canucks fans. Like we've been over uh, this a couple of times that's, already. That's not true. There's a loud minority of Jim Benning supporters that gets really annoying, but um, <laughs> I don't understand it. What, what I What I saw of this was like, do you think this is Aquilini being like, Jim, your clock's ticking? I don't know. I, 
it could be that they're kind of putting a little pressure on Jim Benning or even just trying to bring in a new voice. Um, that he's going to listen to? Yeah. And I mean, it'll be interesting. I almost wonder on a secondary note, if this buys Jim Benning a little bit more time, if they want the Steens to be their next GMs, yeah, then it might buy him another year for them to learn the business. Like I, I, I'm, that's just something that I, I, it's floated around in my head as a possibility. So I don't know. I, I think the Sedin hire is a great move. I'm just worried that the rest of the front office is still there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was a fan of it. I was definitely a fan of this, uh, this decision by Aquilini and the, and the rest of the upper staff. Um, but also I, having Henrik Sedin talk instead of Jim Benning at a press conference. So great. Henrik Sedin was a captain for how many years? Yeah. After the 2011, if they lost in game seven of the 2011 finals, like he talked to reporters for like half an hour. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's that guy. He's a captain. He's a good speaker. Who's Jim like, Benning is not a good speaker. Is he's the G- worst, worst GM speaker in the National Hockey League. He's the worst. Is Jim Benning uh, GM and president? Who's president? Yes. He, Jim Benning is both. Because they oh, God. once once Lyndon left, Lyndon was the oh, president. Right, once right. he left, oh, yeah, okay. they didn't didn't hire another president. So Benning just became GM and president. Yeah. Um, so that was our discussion about like Vancouver and that stuff. We stopped recording because of the time limit, but we're back. We're back. And this is like, there's a bunch of stuff happening. So like, this is a trigger warning for essay sexual assault and just like everything surrounding that because we're, there's a lot of stuff we have to get to. And, um, it's just going to be difficult for some people that have experienced this stuff, I guess. Um, so a former Blackhawk player is suing the team, um, and allegations are about sexual assault by assistant, uh, head coach. Um, so this is an unidentified former Chicago Blackhawks player says that, um, he was sexually assaulted by, um, an assistant coach during the 2010 Stanley cup playoff run which they went on to win. And um, um, after leaving, so the allegations are against Bradley uh, Aldrich. Um, He was convicted in 2013 in Michigan of third-degree criminal sexual conduct involving a student and is now in, uh, in, uh, in the state's registry of sex offenders. Um. So, so that is all terrible. Um, this Aldrin guy is a scumbag and should be in prison for the rest of his life. But we have to talk about the bigger implications of what, how the Blackhawks, Blackhawks handled this and um, how everything was uh, dealt with, I guess, is the best way of saying Mm-hmm. Um, the two Blackhawks players told uh, then skills coach Paul Vis- Vincent in May 2010 of inappropriate behavior by Aldrich. 
Vincent told a news outlet he told team executives, including team president John McDonough and general manager Stan Bowman, to report the allegations to Chicago police. Uh, but that his request was rejected. That to me is the is the like the most shocking part of all of it. Like the fact that Stan Bowman fully knew this, along with the president, who you just said, and I already forgot his name. Um, president. Uh, who they decided General to. General manager Stan Bowman and then John McDonough. John McDonough. And the fact that they knew about this completely heinous crime, this in, inexcusable crime, and they decided not to report it. Like, I... Uh, that to me is the is the worst part of maybe sorry not the worst but that to me is the most shocking part that um that Stan Bowman and higher ups did not report anything to Chicago police. The other part of the story that really made me like like it just one just stuck with me that I really didn't like about this was the. Um, so the guy Aldrich or whatever, he left the organization after that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Blackhawks gave him a positive reference. Yeah, so I, I actually have that, yeah. like, uh, it's and in the article. He on ended up working for a high school team. Mm-hmm. As somebody who obviously, I mean, with the Blackhawks, he had the whole the, the sexual assault stuff giving him a positive reference and then allowing him to work with minors. Like why? Like I, that, 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 that was the part of it that I was shocked about along with everything else that is also terrible. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're completely right. That, that, yeah, that was, that was the most shocking. That was another just completely shocking part. So the student was a hockey player in, in 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 high school in Hancock, uh, Mich- Michigan. Um, or no, Hancock, Illinois, because that's where Chicago is. Um, and um, he says that he, uh, the former student who whom Aldrich was convicted of assaulting, filed a separate lawsuit against the Blackhawks on May 26th, saying the Blackhawks provided positive reference to future employers of Aldrich despite allegations from at least one player and took no action to report that matters. Um, this, and something that is going to be is something that's going to be completely terrible is when Gary Bettman comes out tomorrow and tries to sweep this under the rug and doesn't acknowledge and doesn't acknowledge it. Like this this is not going to go away. This will not go away from the National Hockey League. And they will need to. There's no there's no fixing the situation. There's no fixing what the Chicago Blackhawks have hidden for the last for the last decade plus. Yep. Yep. They, they no, have it's, hid it's this since coming up 2010. Yeah. Like I, the fact that they were able to hide this from I don't know who who knows about this in higher ups in the in the NHL, um, Bill Daly, Bill Daly, Gary Bettman, and so forth. The fact that they were that they might have known about this, I don't. There's I, I don't know if they did, but if anyone in the NHL that works for the league knew about this, 
boy, are they in for the, the a well-deserved reckoning for the fact that they that they hid this from everyone for so long. So another note here is that the police uh, records say investigators reached out to the Blackhawks about Aldrich, but its front office would co- confirm only that he was once an employee. This is terrible. This is a terrible look for the whole hockey culture. And the, the Chicago organization basically told these players uh, of the Stanley Cup winning team to go screw off and don't bring up this problem. This isn't a problem in our eyes. And they say to always believe the, the victim in these kind of situations and I don't understand how you put your players, we don't know who, but you put these players above an assistant coach and or above anyone. Yeah. That, and that, something that, that another another NHL player said that was on the Blackhawks, probably this unnamed, probably an unnamed testimony, was that everyone in that locker room knew what happened. And they all had to hide it from everyone. Like, God, just what an absolute catastrophe of, the, of a situation that that does not belong in this sport and does not belong in life, does not belong in this world. My, I think the worst of it is that the Chicago organization didn't stop it when they could have stopped it. And they let it keep going and... Yes, they're adults and his thing. And then they let him go. And then he went after kids. And that whole story continued for another two to three years because he was finally like caught and like arrested or whatever in 2013. So, and for, and the stuff allegations originally from the Chicago thing was in 2010. So that's three years where he went on to ruin people's lives and affect more lives than he should have. And I, I hope Stan Bowman is just kicked to the, to the kicked as far away from that organization as possible and far as far away from the sport as he can be so we were talking about this he's a big reason on why that why that continued we were talking about this in the chat and you were saying that this is something that the nhl has to address and my worry is that the nhl won't they'll address it sweep it under the rug and move on There won't be any major changes. There won't be any suspensions for all those people that were in positions of power at, in Chicago that like they have to get something has to happen for them to know that there are consequences for covering shit, illegal shit up. And until that happens, um, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Like, Tomorrow, tomorrow, there's tomorrow. I have, a, I have, I have another. I have a fear that they're just gonna come out and just be like, "We're only here to talk about the Stanley Cup final," and that's gonna be their quote on all of that. And it's yeah, that's that's what I'm worried about. It's it's unfortunate, but it's unfortunate that that's my expectation of the league. Yeah, and if if but, they do surprise us with a legitimate statement, then good. Yes, but yeah, yeah. The fact that the expectations are low also says a lot about the league itself. Yeah. And and how they deal with these kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what else is more to say about this. Um, 
that guy is a scumbag and should run prison. Um, the organization has to take responsibility for what they did. And uh, we'll keep you guys updated. We'll see what the, we'll, we'll watch the tomorrow, the general, uh, the, goddamn I just blanked. Press conference on whatever. Yeah, press conference Gary on uh, Gary Bettman and what he says. So I think that's, it sucks to end the podcast on like a really bummer and just this whole topic. Uh, but thanks for listening. Check us out. Recommend us to a friend. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.